Yeah, I'm drinking some wine. I'm really feeling the sensor in the middle of my body. Nice. Uh, it feels awful. Feels good. Be different. Be, Be nice. nice. Just it's smile. I promise it'll change your life. Insert Snoop Dogg here. <laughs> Where does Snoop Dogg go into that song? Uh, he just has like a verse in the middle. I that's know. amazing. Yeah. The future is now. Yeah, Snoop Dogg is always the. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Damn, you should put that on like a. We should do a Snoop Dogg podcast should, after this. You should put that on a. On a <laughs> Snoop Eyes. That sounds like that should be on a on a like card or something. You know, mm-hmm. the future. What was it again? The Say future it? is now, but Snoop Dogg is yeah, forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. None of which makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't. But, but it's like a lot of cards that you they don't really. Yeah. No offense to those in the card making industry. Are you recording this? Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Is this officially the podcast now? This is the podcast. We're doing the podcast. Cannibalism. Woo! Yes. Authentic knowledge and feelings. I feel it. I feel it. Hey, I know where you're going with this. You want a little cliff that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like, but I'm really not. No, no, no. We should have a podcast. What? <laughs> okay. Oh, Captain, my Captain. All right. Oh, well, for those of you that don't know, hi, I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And uh, this is Hawkeyes, and we're joined by our very special guest and cannibalism expert, Jorge Veronchisi. <laughs> Kaka. 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 Hello. You might know him from our sister podcast, Craving the D. Probably will, maybe will be out by the, the first episode by the time this comes out. If yeah, not, this is going to come out in like six weeks. So. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> not Absolutely not? You I, guys don't think you're going to be up in six weeks? I want to like not put us up until we have like a lot of episodes recorded. It's fine. It's fine. It's well, fine. you guys should it's be fine. recording more regularly then, you know, because the last episode you recorded was like a month ago. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Yeah. It's going to take Craving to be coming 2024. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also in studio, not on a mic, though, but you might hear her coughing in the background, is Lauren Bresnahan, who you might remember from last week. Uh, she's our she's our producer today, although her computer is doing it, running an update, so she's useless to us. Yeah, so she's, she's just going to be an executive producer. Yeah, exec- <laughs> executive producer Lauren Bresnahan. Yeah. Excuse me, my executive producer friends would like to have a word. Oh, you you know executive producers? No, I'm just kidding. Can you get, can you get Rick Rubin in the studio with us? I, I know executive producers. We're going to have some on the show oh, in about God. a month, so. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Listen, I love executive. Executive producers, come on the show. Yeah. We love you. We, we love, love all you. Come on the producers. show. More importantly, Ethan Hawke, come on the show. You you need to. Yeah. Well, one day that's going to be episode um like a hundred mm-hmm. when we get married. Mm-hmm. Wow. In like three years. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> no, we're not going to get married to Ethan Hawke. We're gonna. Uh, he's going to officiate our wedding. Oh. I've talked about this on the show before. This oh. isn't new, but um, this is new to Lauren. It's going to be a very dramatic, intense wedding. Yeah, it'll be good. I want him to just be like uh, in character from First Reformed the whole time. I want him to like walk around the reception wearing that like uh, that barbed wire. Yeah. Oh God. And C four. 
<laughs> yeah. Spoilers for our first Reformed. I've never seen this movie. I don't think I want to. Oh, no, it's really good. You it's should good. watch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's dark. No matter what, I just saw my second Ethan Hawke film in the live. First one was Boyhood. Mm, very, okay. very similar movies. Yeah, sorry. Let's get back to Ethan Hawke. So tell us about your relationship with Ethan Hawke. What do you think of him in general? Like, So you've seen Boyhood and now Alive. Yes. Um. So yeah, what are your thoughts, feelings? He really has emotions. He just... Ethan Hawke is a, like, I didn't really, like, knew he was, like, that big of a person. You know, I didn't know who he was before Boyhood. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I saw 10 years of him. And he's, he is a good actor. He's good at conveying emotion. I just feel like he gets way too into things sometimes, into roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do definitely feel like whenever I'm watching him on screen that he's really, like, committed to the, the feelings of the character that he's playing. If that makes sense. It's, it does. But I don't, not like in a, you know, like crazy method actor kind of way. Although he does reference in a few um, interviews the, like that concept of like knowing what your character has in their pockets, which is like a method actor technique. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think that, yeah, I do definitely think that he is always very present and he cares a lot about being the character. I definitely need to watch more Ethan Hawke films just because my two POVs of him are like alive, which is we're going to talk about mm-hmm. traumatizing. Yeah. And like I I have thoughts about him specifically in this movie, but also like Boyhood where he did a very good job emulating my entire childhood with my father. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's okay. He's not going to listen to this. It's fine. Yeah. It's now fine. we come to our favorite segment of the show. Let's unpack things. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. I watch it with my mom and brother, and I'm just like, wow, this is uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, man. Oh, dads. Why are you such dads? Dads are, yeah. Yeah. Alive. It's, it's coming out after Father's Day, right? Yeah, this, it's almost Father's Day right now, so this will be out in like, August or Special Father's something. Day yeah. edition, yay. Yeah. It's true. Well, we already had our Father's Day edition with Dad. Yeah, we did. True. Dad. Oh. Is that coming out? That's coming Day? out. No, it's Your coming father? out. Um, no, the movie Dad. Oh, the movie Dad. Ethan yeah. Oh, we should get uh, Freddie on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's coming out like a week before Father's Day. Okay. The Dad episode. All right. So, cool. Yeah. What I will say about Ethan Hawke also in terms of Alive is, I, is like, you know, it's really nice to see non-white actors playing non-white roles it's like and the live really broke ground it's like it really didn't have a single white person miscasted <laughs> in this movie it's so much yeah respect. we're definitely gonna get into that it was at times doesn't excuse it but like i mean it was yeah it was the times i don't know it was 1993 though so for those who haven't watched the live a congratulations enjoy keeping your sanity and b I am being sarcastic. This was a very white cast playing a very not white, yeah, like group of people. Well, let's talk about it's, it. Let's get into yeah, the movie. It's okay. So I, that's what I'm kind of curious about because, you know, they're like Uruguayan, right? Yeah. There's a lot of like white Uruguayans. That's true. So I don't know. I don't know how many of the people because there were some people in there that were definitely Hispanic. And some white yeah. people as well. Yeah. So there was like white people yes. playing but white. But if Hispanics. you look at like the actual the real people that played the characters that were played by white actors in this movie, like so like Ethan Hawke played Nando Parado, mm-hmm. um, and he looks like kind of he looks mixed, like. Oh okay. You know. 
Yeah. So. Nando Prado actually was also the technical consultant on the yeah, film. So that, if you're yeah. wondering why he seems to have such a hero arc, that's why. Um, <laughs> but the and it's just like I get. I mean, for marketability, obviously they would like get like big names to play these roles. Personally, I don't really think Ethan Hawke deserved top billing as Nando in this film. I really think that that was done just for marketability. It was really mm-hmm. Josh's film. Josh Hamilton. Yeah, but this well, isn't Josh Eyes pod, so, you know, we can't Yeah, really. this is... Well, we are going to talk about Josh Hamilton, because I think he's great in this film. And he... Not only is he in this movie with Ethan Hawke, but he is also in Blaze, which was a movie that Ethan Hawke 420. directed. 420. 420 Blaze. <laughs> yeah. I had to. No, yeah. Blaze is a movie that came out last year that um, we actually went to a Q&A, and we saw Ethan Hawke live in person. We sure did. Um, Gat, can you believe that was, like, a year ago now? That was a year ago? Yeah, I, I know we've took, we've taken a long time to get this up and running. That was a we're year. Doing we're doing it. We're, yeah, that was about a year. That almost was a year. Twenty three. When that happened? Yes, you were twenty three. Oh my you're now god. Now twenty four, and you're almost twenty five. Don't remind me. I'm gonna be twenty five first. Oh, Chill god. out. It's fine. Um. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Josh Hamilton. Um. <laughs> uh. Jonathan just rolled his eyes at us and turned to Lauren because they're both older than we are. <laughs> Jonathan so. is 25. He is 25 currently. Yeah, and you guys make such a big deal. Of it. No, because I don't care. Look what's happened to you since you turned 20. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn, that's true. That's point. Yeah. The curmudgeonly old man. That's true. So, yes, Josh Hamilton, as I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was Did listening. he play Thanos? Oh, it's Josh Brolin. (laughs) If Josh Hamilton (laughs) played Thanos, he would not have been in Blaze. Like, he would not not the same level of... Although Sam Rockwell was also in Blaze, and he's he's an Academy Award winner now. I'm with you and Sam Rockwell. I'm with you and Sam Rockwell. Wasn't he in A Star Is Born? Um, Sam Rockwell? No, he was in Vice. I'm sorry, all these movies are just splitting together for me. Oh, yeah, he was in Vice. He was in, uh, he won for Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri. Never saw that. I didn't see it either. um, Jonathan saw it. The Three Billboards were actually outside of Ebbing, Missouri. They weren't in it. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's racism, man. But don't worry, it's over because Green Book It's racism that I said that the billboards were inside (laughs) of Ebbing, Missouri? The movie is racism from what I heard. I don't know much about this movie. It's racism or it's racist? (laughs) Both? (laughs) I don't know. I've never never watched this film. It is kind of racist, so sure. Have you? Is that you? It's it's, okay. People made a big deal about it because they said it was racist. I don't think the problem with it was that it was. I don't know that it was that racist. I just think that it was like problematic for other reasons that. I don't know. There's something about it. I just felt that the movie had just such a cynical viewpoint that it kind of muted any sort of points that it was trying to make Mm -hmm. just by being i don't know like i wanted to like it but it just didn't land for me Mm -hmm. well that's how i felt about the live action jungle book very similar movies in tone (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's do a double feature of three billboards outside of missouri (laughs) and the jungle Jungle book live action disney 20 Three billboards outside. Fifteen or whatever. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, both starring Ethan Hawke. (laughs) (laughs) Three billboards is very memeable, though, because you could put anything on those billboards. That's true. Shenyun. There was a Shenyun one, (laughs) actually. That's really good. This show sponsored by Shenyun. Yeah, Yeah, Shenyun, come on the show. Whoever you are. (laughs) Mr. Yun. (laughs) (laughs) 1,000 years of Chinese. (laughs) Chinese What is it? How many years is it? 
All of it. All of Chinese. Oh my god. I get so many people. I'm sorry, one more thing and we can get back to actually alive. But my Tinder profile basically says ask me about premier Chinese dancing company Shenyan. <laughs> and I have a lot of people asking me about it. And I'm like, you know, that's a joke I don't actually know much about. It. Oh, that's great though. That's funny that people actually like respond correctly. I'm just thinking about like why won't gays you date really me? get it. You know? The gays get Shenyan. Yeah. But I'm like, why won't you date me? Nicole Byer talks a lot about how she has like all the stuff on her you know on her bio on all of the platforms and then like no one ever actually talks about it or responds mm -hmm. to that they just say kind of boring things what well, are you guys instagram bio right now instagram oh, bio. yeah or i your think it's bio. probably mine um, quotes listen you actually. to our podcast my instagram bio is quoting when jonathan called me twee incarnate oh yeah That's it's just good. yeah i just says twee incarnate quote-unquote Jonathan Zavaleta and Space Bitch 9000, quote-unquote Sandy. Nice. My Instagram bio is, check out my new podcast, Hawkeyes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean now. I think I will. It's oh, pretty good. thank you. Mine is just, I'll quit anything once. Oh, I also just That's got five good. messages from Clementine, which is a restaurant that I really like. Wow. Don't dox them. So, Josh Brolin. Oh, they want to post my photos. <laughs> Sorry. I love when they do that. Wait, like, don't dox them. Why wouldn't they want to have the publicity that we provide for them? On yeah, this maybe program? they should be our sponsor. Yeah, Clementine sponsor us. We love you. Come we go to you at least two to three times a month. <laughs> okay, so Alive. I don't think I've seen a film this like hard to watch since The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And unfortunately, whereas that time I had iCarly as I go to Japan waiting for me at home to <clears> decompress <throat> from it. I did not have iCarly's I Go to Japan to Decompress you from didn't? this one. I did not. I oh, just no. was so depressed I couldn't even find it online to watch it. Wow. iCarly's I Go to Japan, great movie. When did this movie come out? 1993, according to the laptop screen over yonder. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, 1993. January, um, which can we do we even say what movie we were really talking about? We just kind of said it. No, like in we're passing. watching a movie called Alive. Alive. We watched a movie called Alive, and so we watched it with uh, Jorge, our guest, and Lauren, our executive producer, and we all watched it together in silence, except for Lauren, who wasn't going to be on the episode, so she was able to say whatever she wanted. Um, it was a great viewing experience. I got to see Jorge cover his eyes during the cannibalism. Here's the um, thing. I was brought on as cannibalism consultant because I talk a lot about cannibalism, but I do that because nothing unsettles me more. So the more I talk about it, the more I try to like normalize it internally, kind of, and make it le like it's why like growing up. Oh, I it's watched, like Batman. Yeah. So I, you want to be cannibalism, man? <laughs> I want. Yeah. Basically, I watch so many Donner Party documentaries to try to like understand it, but it's like I just am very unsettled by cannibalism. But it's funny because he told me to come on this week to talk about a movie that has cannibalism in it. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. And then I looked it up and found out it was about that there were away plane crash. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, no, 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 no. Because that, I've read the Wikipedia article for that before. Oh, you were already familiar with the story? Yeah, I was. It's it was a very classic rough. story of situational cannibalism. True, it is. True. I mean, I, I would say this is the one I'm the second most knowledgeable about after the Donner Party. Oh, yeah. okay. I would watch an Ethan Hawke movie about the Donner Party. That would be really good. That would be so good. He should do it. So, Ethan Hawke, if you're listening, please, please star in a film about the Donner Party. We want to watch it. So based on what you knew, because I think this is the first, is this the first movie that's been about 
something that's happened an historical event mm, well i mean a midnight clear is based on histor history but not exactly something that might have happened exactly yeah yeah um, so this is the first like direct historical event i think yeah what made it yeah. difficult for me to watch was because i knew everything that happened already so it's not like watching it to be like oh my god how are they gonna get out it's like no i know for a fact you're gonna be trapped here for 72 days there will be an avalanche that will kill half of these characters we've come to know and love and then it's gonna be hell like i expected all of it it was just having to watch it unfold in front of my eyes over like two hours was very hard. Never going on a plane again. That's not true. No, it's not. Planes are safer than cars. Like, have you been in a car recently? But have you been on a train? I have been on a train. They're great. Amtrak trains. sponsor, if not this but one. But do you Day. remember earlier this year a train derailed in um, like Washington or something? Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. So I don't know. I mean, everything is. There's an you know, amount of danger in any kind of transportation. You know what they do when the trains are, when it's, like, too cold outside? They, like, set the train tracks on fire. Oh. That's so lit. Yeah, That's so it's lit. pretty crazy. That's pretty like, dope. Weather, weather has a Max pretty... pretty <laughs> Mad Max Fury Rails. ...crazy effect on trains. The reason I know this is because one time I was trying to take a train, and it was late, and they were playing a video basically explaining, like, why your train is late. So I spent a lot of time just watching this video, learning about why my fucking train was late. Mm -hmm. And apparently, like, when... So if it's really cold, the tracks will freeze, and you can't run a train on that, so they light it on fire. If it gets warmer, like, warmer than the... than the Basically, the metal is used to, it expands, and sometimes the, the expansion will cause it to, like, crack. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And that's that can cause major delays. Okay. So, fun train facts. If you ever, to all the listeners, if you ever find yourself on an Amtrak, do yourself a favor and treat yourself by going to the cafeteria cart and getting a turkey sandwich. They are delicious. Heck, yeah. They are very delicious. Very we got, um, whenever, it was we did Amtrak one time from San Jose to Los Angeles. The San Joaquin line. Sure. Wasn't it the California Surfliner? No, it was the California Surfliner. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. I'm thinking of the one that's eastern that goes up to Sacramento. Oh, no, it was very west. Like, we hit to the ocean for, like, half of it. I've taken the Surfliner to Anaheim before. Very nice, also. Mm -hmm. But I think it has, like, a food cart. It does, yeah. So the Surfliner. So we got we got our own. I don't. Well, my mom really. She paid for this. uh, Like, we got us. She got us a cabin. Like, we had our own little, I mean, it's, it's pretty small, but it's, like, nicer than being out with, you Living know, large. the hoi polloi. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> you, I was with the hoi polloi. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, like, it's, you know, being on a train is cool no matter how you do it, yeah, basically. Yeah, trains are fun. Trains are the so fun. The people you meet are also amazing. Um, but it's nice to be able to stretch out a little bit, is what I'm saying. And my mom treated us to that because it was, like, the end of the school year or something, and we were coming home. Yeah, Mary Blakely, come on the yeah. show. Yeah, Mary Blakely, come on the show. I'm sure there's, I can't believe we didn't get her on the Jeremy Irons episode. <laughs> she's a huge uh, Jeremy Irons fan. But she's tried to, <laughs> so far she's listened to like half of our intro episode, which was two minutes long. So Yeah, well, my mom listened to our Dead Poet Society episode and was like, it's a little long. Yeah. <laughs> Moms, we love you. <laughs> yeah, on especially show. my mom, the self-proclaimed Hawkeye's pod number yeah, one fan. Yeah, she's the number one fan. WGC is she our number one fan. She asked me what my podcast is about, and I said, you'll find out when it gets released. And she's like, ooh, mysterious. You didn't tell her that it was called Craving the D. <laughs> I didn't know how to even begin <laughs> to explain it. 
Um, yeah. If anyway, anyone would get that, though, it'd be definitely. It yeah, she she's like, cool. Oh, that's she's down. Yeah. She goes to all those Amazon and Netflix yeah, events. She's, she would love it. Yeah. But, you know, we'll yeah. cross that bridge when we cross that bridge. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, so we took it. We took a train down, and we had um, part of the the deal was like food times. Like we had like dinner, I think, or lunch, or both. I like how we're spending time discussing trains at length in this movie's about <laughs> a an plane? airplane. Yeah. yeah, because it's hard to talk about this movie. This episode's gonna be like five hours long. This ep- the thing about this movie that's hard to talk about is like it's you can't really talk like. They get a lot of things historically accurate, honestly, like uh-huh. down to the plane crash specifics. Like, it's hard to talk about a movie that's this like close to the real thing because it's like you can't complain that oh this wasn't done properly or like this was kind of all drawn up because that's what actually happened. It's like this was very like I even saw photos of the actual thing like they captured the look down to a T. Wow. The mm-hmm. only two things that were not perfectly historically accurate were A, Nando was not the one who came in and said, hey, good news, the search party has been called off. It was Mm. someone else. Mm -hmm. He gave himself that for the hero arc. Yeah. Obviously. Mm -hmm. And also that when the only surviving woman was like, "Um, I'll finally eat eat tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. then she died before. At first I was like, is that an actual thing that happened? Because it definitely seemed like just for pure theatrical irony that that was done. She actually did in fact eat. She just was the last person to like cave in and eat other humans. But Uh she didn't have to do it often because she died in the avalanche regardless. And she was like a dead mother to all the people. And they were very sad and got their spirits broken when she died. Yeah. So... There were no women survivors? There was her. The only, she, but then she died. But then she died. Yeah, in the there avalanche. were no women survivors. Okay, can we just like go back to the beginning and say yes. what this yeah, movie yeah, is yeah, about? Because yeah, we yeah, haven't yeah. said that yet, and that's yeah. kind of stressing me out because we've been recording for how long now? Uh, 75 minutes. Okay, yeah. So we've been recording for over an hour, and we haven't even said Wait, what the really? movie is about. No, no, 20 minutes. Oh, my 20 God. Minutes. Okay. Um, okay, so this is Alive. Alive is a movie... About the human spirit. The uh, resilience. Yes. <laughs> it was directed by Frank Marshall, and it was written by John Patrick Shanley. Well, actually, it was written by a lot of people, and then he's just the one that did the final draft, but I can talk about that later. Anyway, um, but this is about a Uruguayan rugby team. Sorry, Uruguayan. I, Uruguay. I can't say that. Uruguayan. Well, you know, I'm really... You're doing amazing. You're doing great. American. I'm white American. I'm a white American. Um, Well, so is Betty White, and she's an icon. Yeah, that's... Yeah, no, that's good for her. How how well does she pronounce Uruguay? Do you know that? Oh, amazing. Let's call her up. Yeah, Betty Betty, White. can you say Uruguay? Betty (laughs) Betty White, come on the show, please. Betty White, come on the show. show. She's never done anything with Ethan Hawke. I wish that they had been in something together, though. That would be fun. Yeah, maybe a sitcom. Yeah. Um, anyway, Ethan Hawke, I don't know I could, I could see him doing a sitcom. How funny Golden would Hawks. that be if he was like, imagine the middle, but with like Ethan Hawke instead of the guy from Scrubs, whose name oh, I can't The remember. janitor guy. Jimmy Eat World, yeah. Jimmy Eat World? Yeah. The middle? The middle, yeah. No, yeah. that's the name of I was, it. was a really long-winning sitcom. Like, I was in the test like audience for that show. Oh, you were? I was one of the test audience people. That's so fun. It was, I was like, this is fun. I didn't think it would... Did you like have a knob to turn when you no, were No, I had like a spreadsheet to fill out at the end of like my favorite moments. But then oh, it was like... That's not fun. Well, I really liked how attractive the son was. So, you know, it had my attention that he was always in his underwear as a character quirk. Uh-huh. But it was a good show. I actually didn't think that it would resonate with audiences and last as long as it did. And I'm happy. It 
happy with it. Was it went on for a long time. I'm really yeah. happy with that. I was at a test taping for something. I don't remember what it was, but at the end of it, there was a little performance by Jesse McCartney. Wasn't it Conan? Wasn't Jesse McCartney at Conan? No, it wasn't Conan. Oh, okay. Like Conan O'Brien? Yeah. No, it was not. It was something else. It was like some Nickelodeon show. Oh, okay. And then they had, yeah, it was like a bunch of youths. It's you and your beautiful soul. You got me right where you want me, girl. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so there was a Jesse McCartney thing. Uh I just remember that. Yeah, I remember one time I was in the car with my dad and that song came on and I hated it so much that I like legitimately screamed and he was like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) I was like... I just hate Jesse McCartney. I wow. loved him always. But I've moved past that now. I love the Chipmunks. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Chipmunk series. The Alvin so. Chipmunks. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Huh? Like a G6. Like a, is he on, is he on like a G6? Yeah. What? Jesse McCartney is on the Far East movements like a G6. No wait, no, just kidding. It's a different song. <laughs> <laughs> that would have like totally changed everything. Speaking of planes, so this rugby team's on one, <laughs> going to Chile. Wait, I need to know what she was talking about. <laughs> She's gonna Google it. Well, yeah, our producer Lauren is gonna Google <laughs> this Jesse McCartney plane song. That's not like. A <laughs> <laughs> it's called Alive, and it's about an Uruguayan rugby team that crashes in the Andes. Jesse McCartney is my favorite cannibal. <laughs> Because he cannibalizes others' careers and dreams straight. Oh. I thought you were going to say something like he cannibalized this ass or something. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) That's on record now. That's staying in the show 100%. Listen, I always knew I'd be published as saying, and I quote, I wish Justin McCartney could cannibalize this ass. (laughs) My mom's going to listen to this, by the way. Oh, hi, Debbie. We love you. We love you, Debbie, our number one fan. So alive. Okay. Oh, Lauren, did you find out what you were looking at? Mm. Huh? <laughs> I've never heard of the song. I've never what heard is it song. called? Leaving. Okay, I'm going to put it in right here so that the audience can hear it. Why don't you tell me I'm leaving, never come back again. You found somebody who does it better than he can. We just listened to it, and it is catchy. It's so catchy, like a, but not like a G6. I saw like a G6 performed live at a taping of Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's <laughs> Eve. It was fake and recorded before. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that because we really need to talk about a lot. Yeah, let's get slizzard and talk about this blizzard. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Too soon? This happened like 40 years ago. I'm still not over it. It's still alive. Yeah, there are like 14 Pereira. people the still alive. The um, older man with the wife who died, he's actually died, I think, of cancer maybe or something. Wow. But a lot of the survivors still have 
annual reunions with their whole families, which mm-hmm. is really nice. That is nice. Well, they went through a harrowing experience yeah, together. Yeah, to the audience wondering, well, what harrowing experience did they go yeah, to? Yeah, let's talk about it. So there's a rugby team. It's the movie starts on John Malkovich. Yeah, let's smoking just, a cigarette. Yeah, let's just and, say like, that Nick. Flipping na- through slides. Who is he playing? I don't know. I don't think it says. In the opening? Yeah, he's playing one that of the other... That was a survivor. That was an actual survivor. No, no that was that John Malkovich. I thought that was... No, I'm fairly certain that was an actual survivor. In the opening of the movie was John Malkovich. No. Unless John Malkovich no, survived a plane crash no. and was a rugby player. Now, the movie opens with John Malkovich, though. If you know, you know. Push it to no, you. No, it was the, the actual survivor. No, it wasn't. It was You're John looking Malkovich. at the documentary or something. Oh, uh, it was John Malkovich. Okay, my, well, that answers my first note for the movie. Is this an actual survivor? Uh, okay, so he was playing Carlitos, who was the one that was constantly praying throughout the movie. He was like kind of like the religious leader of the group. Mm. They were actually all religious. It was like the, they were. They were all Catholic, except the agnostic one. Except the one that kept saying he was agnostic until he finally prayed. But they went yeah. to a religious school, so that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. There was. It was a lot of. Catholicism in this movie. Yeah. Was this a Martin Scorsese movie? Yeah. Um, what was that movie with the... In- silence? Yeah, The Silence. I never watched that. I didn't watch it either. I heard it was good, though. I did hear it was good. No one watched it, though. Yeah. yeah. So John Malkovich, apparently, is talking about... You yes. know, he says a good thing where he's basically talking. He's like, point... Look, it's a photo of all the pe- like actual people who were in this plane crash, and he's pointing out who's dead. And yeah, the- it was like slides, because they had that, yeah. uh, that sound effect of like slides changing. Yeah, yeah, in the, yeah. yeah. And but- that always makes me think of... Um, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm like tangenting too much, but I don't care. Um, like in Mad Men, the carousel, <laughs> the Kodak carousel, when he, when, uh, when John Hamm uh, is Don Draper is like pitching the carousel, and then it's like anyway. But it's a slide machine. Yeah. So yeah. So there's a sound effect of slides changing. Oh, says, that was John Hamm. No, what? That was. I thought John that was Malkovich. an actual survivor. <laughs> okay. Point is, he says a thing where he's like, everybody always says like, oh, if I was in that situation, I don't. Think I could have survived, but that you was never... the loudest water pouring I've ever heard in my life. Okay, cut. All no, right, go I'm on. staying in. Okay, but you don't know, like, how you would do until you're in that situation, which is very true. Because I've always like would like to believe that if I was in a situation, I would die immediately. Well, I wouldn't like to believe that. I just do believe that. But I also know mm-hmm. I have a pretty good fight or flight, so I could definitely put up some kind of a fight before, you know. I don't have yeah. a lot of meat on my bones. I don't have a lot of insulation. That's the point. Lauren has told me this many times. She said, I am, and I quote, dead weight and never wants to be in a survival situation with me. Understandable, because I don't even offer much meat to cannibalize off of. Totally understandable. You know, to all the audience out there, if you feel the same, I forgive you. Yeah, I feel like I... Is that what you guys talk about? Just like on your morning drives? <laughs> She's just like, you will die first. <laughs> what we've been known, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like my my benefit would be that I'm like a creative thinker, but then that would kind of be the end of my what I have to offer in this kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. you're creative. Then it flashes back. Yeah, I'm a hashtag you'd, influencer. You'd make a mood board. <laughs> <laughs> Survival trend. Yeah, a, a, a dream board. Okay. All Oprah. We should maybe start talking about this. Movie. I know. We're so, trying. It, so after he's on talking about that, it flashes back to the team on the plane. They're going to Chile. They're going through like the mountain. The, the Andes. The Andes. Yeah. It's snow covered. And they're like, we'll be there in 20 minutes. And you see all these beautiful people. And immediately you're like, well, half of them are going to die. So long story short, 
and I'm just going to interject this with what actually happened was what actually happened was the co-pilot was very inexperienced. And mm -hmm. even though the marker said they were not anywhere near the airport in Chile, he still thought they were for some reason. So he started pulling the plane down and long story oh. short, they weren't. And then they were in the mountains and they had to quickly pull up, but it stalled because they, they were literally going apparently like almost vertical trying oh. to get up, but the plane stalled and fell. Long story short, the back, um, the tail of the plane falls off as does, I think, a wing. Mm -hmm. And the plane just starts sliding down like a toboggan. People keep getting shot out through the hole in the back, their chairs dislodging, and, you know, like, people getting thrown out, um, metal flying and cutting people. The wings eventually both get severed, and the front just kind of slides into the middle of, like, a glacier and just stops, and everyone just immediately rushes to the front, people hitting their heads. Mm -hmm. I think about one third of the people survived at the end. So I think maybe one third died during this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, that's a little different than how they show it in the movie because I don't think they really like show anything about the co-pilot and his incompetence. Well, he was because remember, he was drinking. Remember, they oh. gave him the drink. But wasn't it just like tea or something? It was Thank you. It was like it was basically like he was focusing on his drink, and then oh. and they showed the meter showing like not here yet, but he mm -hmm. still kept bringing it down. Oh, okay. So it did get that very accurate. And there's also a scene when they're checking for survivors, mm -hmm. and they go to the pilot, and he basically asks for his gun mm -hmm. so he can shoot himself. And they say, "Sorry, mate, not gonna help you with that. That actually happened." Yeah. They oh, left wow. him. Yeah, they left him to die. That's, That's crazy. Insane. Hashtag just girly things. <laughs> wow. Well, when so yeah, okay, that's a pretty good description of what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you the 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 flight crash scene is like very visceral, and intense. I've never seen a more realistic like flight crash scene in like a movie since Final Destination too. <laughs> yeah, like you see them like sort of, and and you know, they like the plane is going down and the tail of it like clips the mountain range basically and that's when you see all the stuff you described yeah. the tail comes off everyone starts flying out the back everyone's like smashing in the front yeah like yeah. exactly what you said that's what they show and for the record listeners ethan hawk was in the first had two lines in the first five minutes until the plane crash and then he's in a coma for like the next act of the whole movie yeah okay so those two lines are what's the most important thing so a guy asks him one of his one of the other teammates asks him what's the most important thing to you rugby or girls and he says girls <laughs> yeah i did catch that also iconic so he's in a coma so literally for the first 30 minutes i kept turning to everyone and i'm like do i not recognize ethan hawk or is he just not here he was in a coma yeah he was out out cold yeah well everyone else was dealing with the immediate fallback trying to like like Josh Brolin being like the was a medical student, so he basically was like helping everybody, doing what he could, and just trying to check for the dead. And you know, it's what like one thing I thought was they were very very calm kind of after the initial thing. Like mm -hmm. I can attribute it to probably shock. From well, like, also I think kind of like the because of like being on a sports team. I feel like they have, like, teamwork kind of built into them as people and as people that work together. And so, like, they immediately, I mean, you know, some people after a stressful situation like that are going to freak out. But other people who, I mean, these they practice probably, like, you know, six times a week at least and True. like if you can throw a ball you can um, move corpses <laughs> yeah i mean they probably practice together like a lot 
and are used to the one guy um do you remember his name being the, the captain oh, of their yeah, team yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like beardy yeah um i don't have i don't remember his name but um their their team captain like kind of takes charge along with Kanessa who is a medical student and that kind of makes sense that like you know even though he's only been a medical student for six months like that the two of them would take charge in that moment mm-hmm. um and Antonio Antonio yeah so Antonio and Kanessa <laughs> both take Roberto Kanessa both take charge in that moment and it kind of makes sense that they would be the two people who would have the mentality to take over and tell people what to do and to focus on and like triage what's important in that situation yeah so the immediate in the immediate aftermath of the crash they have that scene like you said where uh the pilot is dying and he says um did your phone yeah sorry make a noise yeah it did i'm sorry <laughs> all podcasts have that okay it's fine race all podcasts Listen, have i'm just noises. trying to um, manage our social media account right now Nice. Um, while we're podcasting, so follow at Hawkeye's Pod yeah, on Instagram. Hawkeye's Pod on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Anyway, as you were saying, uh, yeah. So in the immediate aftermath of the crash, like you said, they have that scene where the pilot is dying and he's trying to get mm-hmm. them to give him the gun so he can shoot himself, and they say no. And then they're trying to deal with the sort of off his rocker uh, mechanic who. This appears after like five minutes. Like yeah, they, well, they ask him if there's because they're trying to hook up the radio, and they ask him, and it's not working. They ask him, oh, why isn't it working? There, he's like, oh, the batter, the plane is completely off. You need batteries for that. And he's like, where would I find batteries? He's like, in the tail of the plane, but the tail is gone. <laughs> and then good impression, actually. Thank you. And then yeah. they're dealing with there's a woman whose legs are trapped under the chair and they're trying to free her and she's like screaming out in pain mm-hmm. and then one of the guys is like yelling at her basically to shut up yeah and then the next morning she dies and he like feels very guilty i would too because he was telling her to shut up and mm-hmm. those were like last moments not her last moments but she died the next th- how did over she die i think just i don't know uh probably i mean i would imagine like the either blood loss or the like physical trauma of the event because i mean her her legs were completely trapped under and they were trying to pull the seats off which like basically like if you've watched like uh, any medical show like you know that you shouldn't really try to remove people from things that they're trapped under necessarily because then it could cause like bleed out or like clots or whatever i think that they just missed that day of class yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, these are kids, though. I think that's really important to remember is that they're, like, some of them were teenagers still. Yeah. And they were in co- – these are college students who are on a rugby team. And so, like, they don't – they're not, like, equipped for this. I mean, no one's really equipped for this. No, yeah. But, like, they're also very young on top of it. So they're just doing the best that they can. Yeah, and so the medical student guy is going around and trying to – address people's problems and then a guy comes up to him one of the teammates comes up to him and he has like a giant like shard metal shard stuck in his stomach Mm -hmm. and he's like oh is this bad (laughs) he's like no you're fine He's like, just, just go, just go help someone else. And the guy turns around. He just grabs the shard and pulls it out of. Yeah, his. Which I thought that was funny. In, in real life, that happened, and intestines, a, few, a little bit of intestines came out with it. Oof. 
Grizzly. Yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah. But um, but I just thought it was funny because he definitely pulled like a, hey, look over there. What's that? And yeah. then just ripped it out, you know? Yeah. So long story short, they all just basically are trying. The, the whole, the next 10 minutes of them just all recovering from injuries and wounds. And this one guy got like his leg cut open and he survives a long time. Like for like 60 days, he is just laying there in a hammock. With mm-hmm. a leg cut open, like, he should not have lived as long as he did. But he did, you yeah. know? Well, the medical student, can I say, I guess he just did the best that he could sure. at, like, maintaining his True. level of health. Yeah. And the, the so by the time the night comes, they try to figure out what to do. And they rip the seat covers off of the mm-hmm. the seats. And they use those as blankets. And yeah, then they're they very resourceful their, in that, like, yeah. that using the metal, the sheet. The metal sheets to create water by melting snow. They also mm-hmm. would use visors from the um, air, from the air driver pilot. I forgot the word. <laughs> the, from the air pi- driver, the, the sky, the sky pilot, the sky captain, sky captain from yeah. the sky captain. Have you guys seen that movie, Sky Captain in the Land of Tomorrow, or no. whatever? No, it's great. You guys should watch it. Okay. So he removes the visor from the hat, and they basically use it to make sunglasses to help, like, not get snow blindness. Like these kids were freaking inventive. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- yeah so, so that first night, they, they board up the hole with just their, like, luggage and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, night is falling, and I feel like I haven't seen Ethan Hawke for, like, 15 minutes. I yeah. was really, I was like, are we sure that this is the right movie that uh, I rented on Amazon? Um, but he was there. It's fine. Yeah, but he was just out for, for a long time. Three days. The next the, day, few days are just dedicated to yeah. them like trying to get rescued mm-hmm. and f- rationing food, actual food. Not humans yet. We're, we're coming up. Get excited. Yeah, but all they had on the plane was wine and chocolate. So really? they were yeah. rationing like one square of chocolate and one cap full of wine per person per each meal. Yeah, for a few days. And then and they were being very smart about rationing mm-hmm. until... They saw a plane. Yeah, they saw uh, like, a plane, yeah. and they thought that they ha- that the plane saw them back. Yeah, yeah. The plane like dipped its wing at one point, and they thought that was like a signal that mm-hmm. they had been seen. And so they start just eating the chocolate. Yeah. And okay. drinking the wine. Uh, fools. Fools. And then, uh, the captain of the team comes out, and he's like, he opens up the container where all the chocolate was supposed to be. Yeah, to like, start handing out rations for the yeah, next meal. Yeah, and he's like, hey, where's my chocolate? I don't then, think he talks no, like that. he doesn't that. talk like that. He was pissed, understandably, because Josh Brolin's character was kind of the one no, who, Josh like... Josh Hamilton. I'm going to keep recalling, referring to him as Josh oh, Brolin. Geez. Josh Brolin's We're really going to confuse the audience here. Hey, audience, <laughs> I want you to know this is Josh Hamilton, not Josh Brolin. Okay, Josh Hamilton's character was the one who, like, was, like, all on board. Like, yeah, hell yeah, let's eat and drink and party train. So he is a kind, of, kind of responsible for this. Yeah. So shortly after... Ethan Hawke's character finally comes to, and he learns his mom's dead, his yeah. dad's dead, and his sister's dying. Spoiler alert: she dies. So wait, know. his dad? No, was his on dad the, wasn't on the plane. Wasn't it was just plane. his mom and his sister were on mom the plane. His mom and sister, oh. yeah. Okay. Well, either way, his mom's dead. Yeah. His yeah. mom died immediately, and then his sister was dying. Basically. Yeah. So he was kind of waking up from being like unconscious for three days, and he looked great. Um, fantastic i mean his no not really like his face was pretty bruised up it was hard to tell that it was ethan hawk really because they did a really good job on the makeup like making him look swollen on like half of his face in a kind of realistic way but when he heard that his sister was unconscious and possibly dying then he kind of came to and he stood up and he ran over to her 
yeah. as soon as he could. Yeah. What I will say about Ethan Hawke's character in this film is because he was absent for so long at the beginning that, like, the first, like, 20 minutes that he was actually a main player again, just he just did not feel it like, in, like he belonged in the movie to me. Because by that point, it took so long to get him in that it just kind of felt weird any scene that he was in for me. I don't know why. Mm. It just felt like he was in a completely different movie than the one that we had been watching up until that point. Because it's been like 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot happened without him, basically. And then he finally comes to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was around this time also that I noticed that Danny Nucci was in this movie. And then I think I said out loud, is that Danny Nucci? And that was very exciting. He's uh, Fabrizio in Titanic. I've never watched that. So that means half anything that. to you guys, but um, that was pretty exciting for me. So I've only watched the sinking scene mm. many times. English class. Many times. <laughs> English class. <laughs> Titanic came up in the last episode. Did I it? think I brought it up. Yeah, because yeah. we were talking about VHS tapes. Oh uh, yeah, because you it's split on two tapes. VHS yeah. Tapes, yeah. Yeah, that scene where Celine Dion paraglides in and rescues them was crazy. <laughs> yeah, the best scene of the movie. Canadians um, are the heroes. Yeah. So, um, long story short, they find out that the plane isn't coming for them, and shortly after um, Ethan Hawke's sister dies, they find out through a radio that they found that the search party has been called off for them. And then... Yeah, because they, they find a receiver. They can't radio out but they do have a receiver to listen to things and they sort mm-hmm. of make that work he's like yeah. can we hear like 20 antenna. seconds of san jose great song <laughs> do you know the way and to san the jose? captain finds out that the that their the rescue party is called off and ethan hawk i think is the one that goes and tells them Mm-hmm. Yeah, but because the life. the captain the captain is the one that hears that on the radio, or he knows that that's happened, yeah. and so he's like, but he doesn't have the heart. To... Yeah, because he feels like I can't disappoint all of these people again. Because yeah. he's worried about them losing hope. Yeah, and giving up. Yeah, and Knox and... like, no, they have to know, and he basically mm-hmm. goes in and it's like, good news, everyone. The search party has been called off. Good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. Uh, The search party's called off, and they're like, what? How is that good news? And then he's like, well, because we're going to have to rescue ourselves now. Which in real life, that was not said by that person. Oh, really? What happened in real life? Do you know? It was someone else who said it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But let me just also say, up until this point, Ethan Hawke's character has been like very open about willingness to cannibalize. Yeah, well, well it was in the, the first same scene. Yeah, yeah, where he says no, right before then, because yeah. he joked about maybe like hiking over, and they're like, "How could he make it? You don't have, we don't have enough food." He's like, "Well, I'll eat the pilots." Like so casually that mm-hmm. it sounded like, for like, yeah, he, I didn't, you didn't know if he was joking or not, but yeah. then you realize that. Yeah, he, he's the first one to mention it, and then he mentions it again to the rest of the team. He says we have to get ourselves out of here and they're like we'll die we're not gonna make it he's like well we need to eat something to get through it and then everyone's like oh. moment of realization <laughs> and then oh, they're all no but then overnight they're like you know if i die you can eat my body yeah and they have to prey on it overnight and i think it's important to keep in mind like to just remember that like you know, a lot catholicism of and praying yeah. is, a, is a bit a huge yeah. there's a lot of religiosity in this, in this movie yeah and the next day, they're there finally like, okay, I guess we'll do it. And so they just start kind of eating people. 
Not everyone does, but, you know, most of them are like, okay, I guess we'll do it. Yeah, Ethan Hawke's the first. No, he's not. He's not the first one. He's he stays not. In the he plane. doesn't. Yeah, he waits for a long time before he does it. Yeah. It's just Which his, is it's weird. Josh idea. Hamilton is the first, is the first one, one to bring it up. Yeah, Josh Hamilton goes. He goes and he up, cuts he scoops up a little piece of ass. Yeah. Nibbles on it. Frozen ass, by the way. Yeah. I thought um, they were going to cook it, but my just dad, scoops some frozen ass. Previous guest of the show, my dad, W.T. Alamosa, um, he. He sent me some fun trivia about this movie last night. Oh, um, like, as I was falling asleep, I got a series of messages from him of trivia for this movie. He was saying that during that, those, any time they were eating, like, people in this movie, they were, the actors were actually eating turkey jerky. Ooh. Oh, fun I fact. Just, I just had turkey fact. jerky from Star Wars, and Nicole brought it. It was oh, actually people. Nice. It was really good. Turkey jerky is made of people. Yeah. I'm down. Um, Great. And then... Um, so yeah, then once they start having the, you know, when they have enough strength because they've been eating. Oh yeah. Well, some, okay. Something else happens before that. The night after he eats, Josh Hamilton eats a little piece of ass. Mm -hmm. He comes in and he tells Ethan Hawke that he did it. And then he's like, oh, you didn't like eat my sister, did you? And he's Mm -hmm. like, no, he ate someone else. So that, that's kind of a weird and slightly important scene. Yeah. But then it's not really... I don't really remember what happens next. I think that they mount, like, a few failed expeditions to find a tail of the plane to get the batteries, and none of them work out, even with the food. And then, eventually, they're all just talking about having hope of survival. Yeah, well, one thing I wanted to talk about with the... um, When the first team goes out to look for the tail of the plane... So they're going out to look for the battery, because it's in the tail of the plane. That's the part that, like, came off of the plane first, so it was separate from them. So they go out to look for it, and it actually takes them two days, which means that they're out at night alone without the rest of the group and without like I'd anything to really keep them shitless. warm because they've been keeping warm by staying in the plane with the, pl- the end of the plane covered with suitcases, and they've all had each other's body warmth. But this is just three guys, so it's like you Those know not as much collective dudes. warmth. And also, I think because they're like guys, they weren't like as close to each other as you know. They're like so much <laughs> straight guys. Even in survival situations, no homo, bro. Yeah, no homo. No homo, but I'm freezing my dick off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just you know, in a like, in a survival situation, they should have like been naked, been naked closer together. But, um, so the three of them, you see them and like overnight their mustaches and facial hair is just like frozen over and they're like leaning against part of the mountain. Um, but then when the morning comes, they get up and they have just enough strength to go keep going and they do find the tail of the plane or they, yeah. f- they find part of the plane. Sorry. It's not the tail. They find part of it. They find some no, frozen they seeds. Do they? They find they some find of the, the frozen, frozen seeds. seeds. Oh, that were and, then they keep the going. Yeah, they keep going. and then they sled down, which mm-hmm. one thing I'll say about Wait, this no, movie. we have to get. We have to talk about them getting to the tail. That's yeah. what happens first. So they get to the tail. No, they don't. The tail. They don't. No. Yeah. Get to the yeah. Tail no. That's a later, later part. That's it's a second. Later. The second team oh, finds okay. the tail. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Because avalanche mm-hmm. happens first. But first, I wanted to say that um, after they find the first seeds, they go back to the camp and they sled down. And this movie does a very good job injecting moments of humor mm-hmm. because it's not a. It's a very bleak situation, but they do find a way to at least try to like relieve you of all the seriousness with yeah. a few moments of like joy but you know it does, a, it does a good job of it but it doesn't like go far because you're pretty traumatized by that point already mm-hmm. yeah the other thing i wanted to say about this scene is that so far like the music has been kind of like serious and somber 
Um, but when they start to like go out on their mission to find the tail of the plane, the music changes and it kind of becomes a more dramatic, like uh, actiony. Yeah, I wrote music. I wrote down that it was kind of like James Bondy, like 60s yeah, a little James Bond Bondy, movie. a little like Hans Zimmer, like a little like action. Yeah, you know, yeah, just general action. Mission Impossible, score. plane. Um, and oh, the other thing that was really interesting while they were going out on this expedition is that they're walking and then one of them is going first and then the whole ground falls out from under them because oh, yeah. it was just snow that That's had frozen a over. Snow bridge. Yeah, it was a snow bridge like instead the kind of Elsa made in yes, frozen. Just like that, except for not as secure because it wasn't fortified by magic. Or self love. Or love, yes. Um, this was just like snow that was connecting two parts of the mountain, but it wasn't actually like supported by anything. So one of them like walks over it and it collapses underneath him. And so then the rest of them have to like run and save him. And that was a very high tension moment. Not long story short, expedition did not work. Well, yeah, that much. first one did not work out and they had to come back. And then there was... But they did find but they did find the chairs, so they do know that they were kind of like on the right yeah. course. Yeah. Which is important. And then overnight, there's an avalanche that basically like... They're all like talking about hope and stuff. And you know, the only woman left is like, okay, I'll eat tomorrow. And then there's an avalanche and you know, she dies because irony. Which okay. in real life, she already like was yeah. eating by that point. I have a few things to say that happened before the avalanche. Uh, didn't that happen? Wasn't it? I don't. It wasn't right after that. Oh, there was some God, stuff that I don't, happened. I think I blocked it out. What happened before that? So okay, so what happened before that is like everyone coming on board with the cannibalism thing. So a group of them overnight while they're like praying about uh, the cannibalism and like thinking about it, they a group of them pledge to eat each other if they die. One of them says, listen, if I die, I want you all to know that it's okay with me if you eat me. And then, like, a group of them all put their hands in, and they, like, agree to that. It's like a, you know. A yeah, and then one of them's like, Packed. could you promise if you eat me to clean your plates? Aww. Yeah, and I thought that was really good. Um, it made everyone kind of feel a little lighter and a little better about doing it. And another line that w I heard was, um, it's like communion from their death we live. Which is another thing that, but especially from like a religious point of view, like brought um, comfort to them about this horrible situation. That's how they convinced the um, the lady to eat in real mm -hmm. life by comparing it to religion. Oh. I mm -hmm. think that they said, I'm going to find it, but I think they said it was like, imagine it's a, some kind of holy communion and that's how she was convinced to do it. Yeah. And then this is when you started covering your eyes is when they went, they started to eat them. <laughs> And then my thought was, why aren't they cooking the meat? Because they have some lighters and they have some things that they could burn. You've yeah. never fasted on Yom Kippur. Oh, my God. Yeah, you I, just eat immediately. Literally one time, I quit. I, I just couldn't do it. I put, like, a frozen waffle in the, in the toaster because I couldn't do it. Uh-huh. And then I couldn't even wait for it to finish. I just ripped it out half frozen and just bit into it because I was so hungry. Mm -hmm. And what a... And the thing about it is by that point, your stomach is so shrunk that you can take three bites and then you're sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yum Kippur. It's not fun. So my next note I had down was, it's interesting how in survival situations, there's usually like one spiritual leader that emerges in the group. Like, mm -hmm. you know, someone that's like, you know, this is like God or nature or whatever. And like, we need to do this to, you know, keep our spirits up or to be morally correct still or someone that like guides everyone else like that and i feel like we see that not just in this movie but also in a lot of uh, there, movies and shows with spirit uh, the survival situations was there a spiritual person in flight 29 down 
I don't. Oh, I don't remember enough about that show. That was a good show. It was. It was also about a plane crash, but mm-hmm. you know, it was they on Discovery Kids. It traumatized me. Also, it was rough because like these kids go through hell, but then luckily they all got off. It started Corbin Blue of High School Musical and Jump In. Mm-hmm. Great show. God love Discovery Kids. Yeah, Discovery Kids was a good channel. I also liked um, Endeavor, which was Children's Survivor. You see Trading... Oh, no, Endurance. Endurance, Endurance sorry. On Endeavor. Endeavor. That's Endurance. a spaceship. And yeah. Trading Spaces, Boys vs. Girls. Yeah. There were a lot of great shows on Discovery Kids. I would never have survived on Endurance. Um, but did, on... They ever, did they ever make a movie about the Challenger explosion? I don't know. If not now, then some Hollywood's waiting for you. Hollywood is waiting. You I have no original ideas. Okay, so the avalanche happens. Let's just pick up at the avalanche. It's terrifying because you literally see, like, one person wakes up as, like, the snow comes in and, like, it just shows, like, everything being rushed as mm-hmm. the snow rushes in. And they're, like, caved in. And, like, the captain, Antonio, like, they bury him out from under the snow and his, life, his like, face is motionless with, like, snow coming out of his mouth. So he dead. He long dead. Woman is dead. A lot of other people are dead. Mm-hmm. A lot more survived than, honestly, I would have thought would have. Yeah, same. Because I think Ethan Hawke was, like, way down at the back of the, like, well, at the front of the plane, I guess. And, you know, but towards the back of the, op- because the opening is in the back yeah. of the plane. So he's way in the, in the front, which is filled with snow by that point. And they managed to come out and he's alive. And I was kind of surprised by that. Like, these, also, these people have only had tiny meals every day for, like, this happened on the 17th day, actually. So, like, this is, like, the three-fourths into the movie that the avalanche happens, but in real life, it happened, like, two weeks in of, like, the Mm -hmm. 70-day journey. So it definitely, like, paces it oddly. But for two weeks, these people have been eating, like, tiny scraps of human meat. Mm -hmm. And they have the energy to dig themselves and others out of the snow. Good God. The human spirit is truly resilient. That's so true. Um, I think one really great example of the human spirit prevailing in this movie is something that comes up shortly after that. They're, you know, basically, like, snowed into the plane because there's a blizzard going on outside. They can't go out or else they'll die. And um, so Raphael, who's, like, the spiritual one... Oh, sorry, no, no, no. So the spiritual one says, oh, it's Raphael's birthday. We have to sing happy birthday. <laughs> and they oh, give yeah. him, like, and a so, snowball yeah, with a cigarette yeah, in a, it. Yeah, instead of a cake with a candle, it's a snowball with a cigarette. And um, it sounds it, it was birthday. funnier than it sounds. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, it was a good it was like a light moment in this very dark movie. And then the next day he was like, it's, it's my birthday. And they did it again. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah. I really do like the moments of humor in this film. Definitely. And so they're, you know, all kind of trapped in this plane for a while. And they pray every night and the religious one leads them. Um, but there's this one agnostic guy who every time he's prompted to pray, he's like, no, nah, I don't believe in that. I'm agnostic. But then finally the ground starts to shake and it kind of seems like there might be another avalanche. And then he just starts praying with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I'm agnostic and I would probably do the same at that point. Cause yeah. what do you have to lose? Of course. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. It's like when you're faced with death, you will like try anything. Yeah. It's like in Superstore when the super Christian manager started praying to Allah during the tornado in the season two finale <laughs> and then the tornado stopped and he was like, oh, damn. <laughs> it, I really wish that was a bigger crisis than it was, but I can't, I'm not going to talk about Superstore because I could go on for hours about it. Mm-hmm. America Ferrera, please come on my podcast or this one. <laughs> so I was just carrying on a list of different gods and deities. So I just, any, in any crisis, I just... Yeah. Vishnu is my go-to. Them all. 
Um, America Ferrera should go on your podcast. What are you saying? Gotta, you gotta kick it up or whatever. She wasn't gotta kick it up. I actually never so saw said, that. You never saw it? No, I didn't watch a lot of the sports ones. A classic ones. inspirational white teacher film about a, a white teacher teaching. Right. Well, no, she really like she like learns about dance from her Latina students who are like a dance team. It's very fun in America Ferrera, isn't it? America Ferrera, if you're listening to this, I I will watch that movie five times in a row if it means that you come onto this podcast. I will single-handedly change this government administration administration if it means that you will come onto this podcast i will pass back on myself yeah i would just watch that movie five times in a row if even if i never got to meet you i love that movie it's really fun i watched it a lot as a kid i love you america person not the country person not the country yeah. <laughs> so there are two guys that have problems with their legs one of them has definitely some kind of like uh mega infection infection the guy who has been like chilling for weeks yeah and then there's another guy who both of his legs have been broken just for weeks and they haven't been able to like you know set it or do anything because they're in the situation so they're both um set up on hammocks in the back towards the front of the plane and finally one night alberta the one with the broken legs it's just you know it there's it's just too much and he dies and um, Federico, who's the guy with the infected leg, he crawls, up, he like climbs out of his hammock and into Alberto's hammock and he like holds him while he dies. And then the next morning, he's like yelling at everyone to wake up because Federico died. It's a very I just sad say moment. A quick note just keep in mind that they've been in this for two weeks now. There is nothing around them but snow. They've actually never even, a lot of them never saw snow until this because mm-hmm. they all grew up by the ocean. There's no yeah. animals to hunt. There's, nothing totally i'm just still like mind friggled by it can we can i curse on this yeah i'm mind fucked by it so much no you're mind friggled that that, that's much more effective um so at what point do they go to look for the tail I think after the avalanche. After. I have another. They wait okay, for a bit. They so wait for the weather. Yeah, they wait for the weather. And so Canessa, Roberto Canessa, who's played by Josh Hamilton, keeps making them wait and wait and wait. And Ethan Hawke finally is like, we can't wait anymore. We have to go. Yeah. And at this point, the movie skips forward like one month. Yeah. So it's been a long time. And so Canessa keeps saying, like, we have to wait for winter to be over. But Ethan Hawke insists like it's you know it's time now we have to go because we're dying here and, and so before before they go though um ethan they pack Hawk, human meat i thought there was one scene that was really interesting with ethan hawk that i think we should mention because this is an ethan hawk podcast true and also i will say this is the point of the movie where ethan hawk finally clicked into the movie for me because mm. up until this point it was extra it just did not seem like he was in the right movie but now it clicked in at this point i mm-hmm. think so they're getting set to go out, and he goes to the the older guy who had the wife that died, the wife that was refusing to eat other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Javier. And, yeah, Javier. And so he he grabs him, and he's like, hey, forget your wife. Remember your living children. Will you eat? Oh, yeah. Because he's trying to convince him to eat so that he'll live. There was a guy who actually didn't eat, and he died, and he only weighed 50 pounds when he died. Oh, my God. Starvation is the most painful way to die, by the way, to all your listeners, because your stomach starts to melt itself to eat Mm -hmm. itself for nutrients. And a lot of the survivors, when describing the decision to eat, they were describing that exactly they felt like their body was cannibalizing itself already. So, you know, Mm -hmm. what's the harm in cannibalizing? Yeah, eating others, yeah. Yeah. Personally. 
Yeah, and then um, another scene with Ethan Hawke before they head out. He gives there's a, a guy who has quote unquote lost his spirit, and so he goes to this guy and he gives him like a like a child's shoe. I don't know where this shoe came Probably from. Probably from us. Well, there were no kids. There on. were no kids on the plane, yeah, so it didn't really make a lot either. of sense. I don't even know this happened in real life. I thought it was stupid, but whatever. Yeah, I think it was just like a you know screenwriting technique to like you know, make people feel something. It should have been brought in much, much sooner in a film for it to have meant anything for me. Yeah. So he gives this guy a child, like a red shoe, a little red shoe, and then he keeps the other, and he tells him when they're a pair again, we'll be going home. But not really, because they do reunite again much before they actually get rescued, so it was meaningless. That's true, but I think he does give him hope for a while. Yeah, but I feel like they could have at that point at least moved that scene to when they were finally going to set off on the expedition to get help. Because mm-hmm. then it would be truly like, okay, we're re- it. Then it, it just was, it was a weird thing for me. I felt like it should have been started later or earlier. Well, I think they really believed that they were going to be able to bring the battery back and that they would make the radio work. But and if it was like a, if it was made for the movie, it just seems weird to me then because that's, they knew historically more would happen. So it just seemed weird to me that. But they were, uh, they were creating like an act to the movie. So this, you know, in this next act, yeah. they go and they fail. And then in the final act, they go and they succeed. So that was, I think it still makes sense as a narrative technique. Still weird, but you know, movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they set off to go find um, the radio, the tail, finally. And so they go. It's him. Uh, it's Ethan Hawke, Josh Hamilton. Hamilton. And the other guy who's act- the actor, I don't know, but the character's name is Tintin. Uh-huh. And so they set out to go to the tail. They get there, and they realize that there's no possible way that they can carry the battery yeah. back because it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. So, so the, then they end up going back to the camp without the battery, and they bring... There's one guy who has some very basic knowledge of radio and how it works, because he's been tinkering with the radio back at their home base with the most of the plane. So they go back and they get him, and they tell him that he has to come with them back up with the radio to try to make the radio work up where the battery is, because they can't move the battery. Yeah, um, he but he really does not want to do yeah, it. He does not feel good about it. Oh, his name is Roy. And it is just t- too hard for him. Right. And then what? <laughs> so then um, they, they, you know, they get so up they there. So they set up without him? That, well, remember. so they get up there and he says, I can't do this. Yeah. And so then they just have to abandon that plan and go back to the home base. And so then he, so they're walking, but a, snow st- a snowstorm starts while they're walking back. And so he, he... Well, I think when they were up there, they try to, like, set it up, and then it, like, fuses out. There's, like, sparks. Yeah. Do you remember that? hmm Yeah, so I think they might have tried, and then... Special effects. Just didn't work. They might have broken it or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, someone who with a better knowledge of, like, radio yeah, 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 technology yeah. and would electronics have to... could have done it. Yeah. But well, he just didn't really know, and they were putting a lot... I mean, they were putting a lot on someone who didn't know anything about it, really. Yeah, he said that he opened a radio, like, once or something yeah. and played with it. And that, and th- that made him the expert. But yeah. in those sort of situations, like, like that's what you It's all you yeah. got. But so then they end up having to go back to the home base, and they're going, but Josh Hamilton and Tintin are ahead, um, and Roy and Ethan Hawke is kind of lagging back with Roy because he's having a hard time, and Roy falls to the ground. And um, Ethan Hawke tells 
Josh Hamilton and Tintin like go ahead it's fine we'll catch up and then he turns back around to Roy and he says uh and Roy says I can't do it I can't walk anymore and then Ethan Hawke says what do you mean you can't get up and walk 10 steps and I just was really imagining like Ethan Hawke as like a personal trainer like about you know like I would, just tricking oh my you God, into I doing a little Ethan bit Hawk more and more. I need Ethan Hawke as a motivational trainer. Yeah he would be he would be good um because he well he keeps telling Roy like just do a little bit more do a little bit more but then he ends up carrying Roy all the way back. Yeah so in a snowstorm. And then it's you know the scene of him of them like where's the rest and then you see like Ethan Hawke carrying him heroically which I'm like I don't know if that actually happened or if like you know since the character was a technical advisor mm-hmm. that was put in for his hero arc because you know that's going to happen but I did get callbacks to the season to finale of Riverdale when FP was carrying Jughead back <laughs> you know which is so dramatic mm-hmm. which was also taken from when Batman took back Robin in some comic when he was bloodied or something I don't know I saw it on Twitter oh okay I don't yeah. actually know about that now you know and no oh when Jason Todd dies yeah. yeah yeah spoiler alert oh god he spoiled it for me yeah from the 1990s or something but anyways at this point they realize the only thing to do is to like just walk and try to get the cheerleader like it's only like they're like it must be on the other side of these mountains because the pilot said we were 20 minutes away but they didn't realize that the pilot was completely wrong and they were like 50 miles out from Chile mm-hmm. so yeah and then on top of it I mean this you know they just got caught in a storm again so they have to regain their strength and they have to like eat more. yeah and two people die in the storm mm-hmm. So, but eventually... the guy with the leg infection died at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. Finally. Yes, yeah. So both both leg injury people died. But yeah, so then after a few weeks pass, and then Ethan Hawke insists again, like, it's time to go, Roberto. He says, we've turned into animals. Mm-hmm. Bring- Speaking of animals, <gasps> is it time for a hawk fact? A hawk fact? Caca! Caca. <laughs> um, I can save it for later, since no, we're in the plot, but... Figure no, that's fine. We're freewheeling this episode. Yeah. Well, we we all know what happens. They get rescued. Do they? Um, so usually I like to stick to one hawk fact, but mm. I just I, I felt so overcome with hawkness that I had to share too. Uh, I was trying to look up. You were talking about um, instances of hawk cannibalism. Hawk cannibalism, yes. And I did find a little a little article for my. Um, uh, uh, what what is that called? Anthropological? I don't know. From a book about animals. Uh, and there's this paragraph. Cannibalism and red-tailed hawk. Cannibalism in adult birds of prey is apparently rare, although it has been reported among some nestling raptors. Uh, blah, blah, blah. On January 7th, 1973, approximately 16 miles east of Santa Maria, California, while driving along a creek bottom in Oak Chaparral Woodland, a large adult red-tailed hawk flew slowly in front of the vehicle for 40 to 50 yards, holding a bird slightly smaller than itself. It finally dropped its prey and flew into a nearby oak. Clevenger examined the prey immediately and found it to be a freshly killed adult red-tailed hawk. The head was missing and most of the tissue from the body had been removed. Only the wings, sternum, backbone, legs, and tail remained. Sex could not be determined on subsequent examination. The wing measured about 395 millimeters. Although the predator bird was not actually seen killing the prey, the fact that the incident occurred on private land at least six miles from the nearest public road minimizes the possibility that the prey was road-killed or had been shot and then picked up by a predator. The date is nearly a month earlier than territorial behavior starts in this area, 
So it is not likely that territorial conflict was involved. So um, there you go. A red-tailed hawk killing another. Mm-hmm. Thanks to All UNM.edu. I guess that's the University of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was from this book. It was a journal. I don't know. Anyway, it's from a journal. This is a legitimate source. It's not like I just... Mm-hmm. This is from an EDU website. I believe you. I, I believe in the legitimacy of all of your hawk facts. Hawk facts. And then... Yes, hawk fact number two. Hawk fact number two, I just had to... Maybe we can put this up on the on the Instagram, but there was a... <laughs> a, uh, a Saudi prince. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it says Saudi prince parentheses, but... We got so many Saudi princes, man. Um... But there's a photo of an airplane that was posted to Reddit, and it's just a bunch of hawks that were on a plane, and they each had a seat of their own. What? Yeah. I think it's because falconry is kind of a somewhat popular hmm. thing among crazy rich people. And medieval which times. princes are uh, many. I actually missed the falconry part of medieval times when I went because I went to the bathroom and they don't let you back in until the falcon is back in the cage. Um, that makes sense. Wow. Or else it'll fly out. Cause, yeah. You know, why would a falcon be doing in the middle of, Ant- of Buena Park, yeah. California? Um, yeah, so this Saudi prince booked 80 seats or booked seats for his 80 hawks. And they're <laughs> people just sitting around with these birds. I don't know if I can show you this picture. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I'd be terrified. It's amazing. Yeah. So those are my hot facts for the day. put that on the spreadsheet. Any, so, so we've got both cannibalism and airplanes. Do you have Tony mm-hmm. Hawk-related cannibalism fun facts? No, absolutely not. Oh, but Tony Hawk, come on the show. Reminds me, we have a question from a, a listener. Ooh. I'm just going to pull it up. I kind of feel like she's asked this before and I forgot. But here we go. Did we not talk about this? Before? I, I kind of felt like we did. Well, you know, <laughs> it's such I a good question. We'll repeat it again. So this question is from uh, friend and listener Kelsey Dodge Taylor. Congratulations. Yeah, Kelsey Mazel. Taylor. She's really Kelsey Taylor. Um, hi there. Just a quick question that I thought could be delved into a bit that the listeners may find intriguing. Is Ethan Hawke, spelled H-A-W-K, related to pro skateboarder Tony Hawk? I'd love to find out. Thanks. Kelsey Dodge Design and Illustration, kdodgedesign.com. Maybe they're ex-lovers who got married and one kept the other's last name. No, I do one, not and believe one kept that. The e. Yeah, one kept the E <laughs> and, and the other didn't. The e. um, Kelsey, I have to say I don't think there's any relationship between Ethan and Tony, Tony Hawk. But unlike Ethan Hawk, Tony Hawk knows how to make a great pro skater game that kids in middle schools across the country have learned to enjoy. Have learned to enjoy. Yeah. I never want to play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but when you're in computer class and you know it's like mm, mm-hmm. you were put in it a second time on accident and you can't get out because there's nothing else to take and you have to use an elective credit on it, you might as well just be playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater with clown makeup and your underwear on in the game and just skate around with all your friends next to you. That's so true. LAUSD, hashtag, hashtag LAUSD. So yeah. back to the final act of Alive. They finally decide that they need to go climb the mountains to find help. And so Canessa mm-hmm. and Ethan Hawk and Tintin go on a journey. And two days in, like, freaking Canessa's basically, like, done. And then they find out that there's still a long way to go. And Ethan Hawk gives this extremely inspirational speech. 
and mm-hmm. it basically he says i'm proud to be a man on a day like this alive living to see it and then he turns to Knessa and he says i love you man no homo though yeah no homo though so they basically send tintin back so they can take have his food to help them make the journey and then the movie kind of cuts from them like giving this inspirational speech and inspirational speech and then it like zooms over the mountains of Chile, like keeps going forward the camera until it starts to get green mm-hmm. and it gets a Chile, which looks beautiful. Oh my god, what a great tourist video for Chile this movie is. <laughs> but it was actually filmed in Canada. Just kidding. Go to Canada. Yeah, but the viewers don't have to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh also I have one more line from that scene that I really liked. Knessa says, uh, we're gonna die, you know. And then Ethan Hawke says, maybe, but if we die, we're gonna die walking. Damn. Yeah, I really liked that. So Sounds like a good ad for a for a pedometer company. <laughs> yeah, true. So basically, um, it just goes into the mountains of Chile, and then the next scene is just everyone getting rescued by helicopter, and that's the end of the movie, which is very Yeah, abrupt. well, I mean, it shows them getting to a part that's like a green valley that has yeah. lots of living trees and a flowing waterfall instead of ice. What the movie doesn't show that happened in real life is between, in the movie, between the, them finding the water in the green valley... And the inspirational speech is five seconds. In real life, it was ten days. Mm-hmm. So the movie didn't even want yeah, well, I mean, to care to delve into. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be. I mean, Kenesa says it must be fifty miles. Yeah, know? but yeah. it would have been nice. I think if, it does show that. How they long just like it is kind of lapsed walking. it so that. Because I mean, what what else are they going to show? Just them like walking for a long time. But then they also don't give credit to the. I think there's like not someone they the first person they find he's not a farmer. Oh, he's a he's a guy with a, a donkey. Shep, a donkey. Yeah, just there's some random guy. It, but there's it's just a guy it. with a donkey. But he literally basically goes. They throw him a note explaining their situation because he knows you got these two raggedy, skinny men just mm-hmm. casually there, and you know what's going on. So they send a note to him like, "We're alive. We need help." And the guy understands and rides a donkey ten hours to find someone. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of amazing. Like yeah. he really put in the work too to save. Yeah, and he did, he not, did not. Yeah, know. we don't even talk about him. But like, would you have done that? Uh, probably. Yeah, I don't know. probably. Hard to say. Um, we're just, yeah, I'm just see if I can find And it. then, you know, the next thing is, like, the helicopter coming in and rescuing mm-hmm. people. And saves everyone who is still... Yeah, and he's, like, carrying the shoe, and he shows it yeah. to Yeah, Kinesa and Nando are, like, on the, on the helicopter waving down to them. And they look good. They look clean. Yeah. And, like, they've had some real food. A mullet, a mule tear. Oh, okay. So someone with a mule. Yeah. So... And then it just kind of has Ava Maria playing in the credits mm-hmm. role, and they show the Iron it's Cross. A, yeah, it's like a soaring shot of the cross on the top of the mountain. That they erected a memorial of it. And some just some quick fun facts of things that actually happened afterwards. Oh, okay. Number one, this is so at first there was backlash against them for cannibalism, but until people were like, okay, no, nah, I understand. Like, at first people were like, backlashing, like, fuck you people, firstly. Like, these people mm-hmm. just survived for 70 days. Yeah. But then people started to understand and it was seen as a holy act. So it didn't last long. Well, I think it was Knessa or um, Nando who eventually told the parents of one of the dead that their child wanted to be buried at home. So, and the dad couldn't get the permission to take his son's corpse. So he went on a guided expedition to reclaim the corpse, brought it home, got arrested for grave robbing, but was then released and allowed to bury his son at their home. That's insane. That's so horrible. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot to go through. I know. And they, all, they I mean, they, there's a memorial there now. And, like, I just can't imagine them going back after everything. Yeah. 
And like I said earlier, they have annual reunions with their families that are hundreds of people now because it's their grandchildren and nieces and nephews and they're all close friends. Canessa is like a surgeon who helps babies with heart problems. He said, and I quote, don't wait for a plane crash to make you realize how lucky you are. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, was I realized... the guy that was at the time a st- student doctor? Yeah, the yeah. medical student, yeah. Yeah, which at the, you know, the day that we watched this, I failed my driving exam and then afterwards, and I felt shitty all day and then afterwards you watch this movie I'm like well I might have failed my driving exam but at least I'm not trapped in the mountains for 70 days so true yeah that's why I said you should go for your pilot's license instead (laughs) absolutely not I I decided that what the name for this uh, type of movie is since it's about situational cannibalism it should be a sit can (laughs) thanks for coming to Hawkeyes (laughs) (laughs) I hate you the worst joke Jonathan ever told me was, "Hey, oh, no. you know what a roll, you know a Rolodex, like how it would just like roll and keep all the phone numbers. I guess you could call it a digit spinner." Yeah, well, that that was a period of time where I was That's making a, a lot joke, of though. a it lot of not. puns based on fidget spinners. Yeah, but it makes sense. Yeah, it's at least. Good. Thank you, fidget Lauren. Fidget spinner, a digit spinner. Because yeah. it's spinning the digit numbers. <laughs> okay, well, people my age have used Rolodexes. Yeah, so. barely. Yep. I used one because I worked in my mom's office. Oh, I've never used one before. <laughs> oh. I was kidding. You were kidding. I've used one. Oh, uh, okay. But, yeah. That's alive. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. So I have some other real life things, but not about the real people that experienced this, but about the people that made the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the director was Frank Marshall. Oh, and so his wife is the producer, Kathleen Kennedy. And so right. they were Famous in. Famous for Star Wars now. Mm-hmm. She produces all the Star Wars movies. Yeah, and so sh- they were in a car together, and they got cut off on the road by a truck that had a bumper sticker on the back, and the bumper sticker said, rugby players eat their dead. And so that was around the same time that someone had given them the script for a live, and they were like, I don't know if we want to do this or not, but then they saw this bumper sticker, and they're like, this is a sign, like, we have to do this movie. So well, they called the studio. About? Like, it was just, like, critical. Rugby. No, I don't think it was, I don't know if it was critical. I just, it was a bumper sticker. Sometimes bumper stickers just say things. Say random shit, yeah. yeah. Like, so, my child was an honor student at such and such. I hate those so much. <laughs> if you're the person who has a bumper sticker Sorry, I'm very angry about yeah, this. Stop. That says my children yeah. was an yes. honor student. Nobody cares. No one cares. I'm I. Ugh. I don't know. It's okay for parents to be proud of their children. In private. No, I, I, I disagree. I disagree. Very mad about this. I, I'm just get heated Listen, whenever I see one. Is it because you were an honor student? I was an honor student. Oh, so then it's you know I don't know. It's fine. I don't know. I I think it's good for parents to support their children publicly so then children know that their parents care about them and appreciate and are proud of them just can't do it so yeah he saw a bumper sticker that said rugby is cannibalism yeah and no he said uh, rugby, rugby players <laughs> rugby is cannibalism you really yeah we're gonna that. make t-shirts that say rugby is cannibalism we'll sell it on our Hashtag website cannibalism. We yeah we gotta get some pods that going yeah so can the yeah, mic, can I get a shirt that says Justin McCartney can cannibalize my ass? Yeah, <laughs> those will sell out real fast. They really will. The gays love that stuff. <laughs> I am the Lorax. I speak for the gays. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is yeah. a great way to 
Yeah. Please, please, please don't write us. You know, people of of. No, please do. Please. Oh, okay. Yeah, just put this everywhere on the internet. Yeah, write really angry letters to us. Yeah, the LGBT but and then make sure to tag us at Hawkeye's Pod <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um. So yeah. So they saw this bumper sticker on the truck that cut them off, and they knew that they had to like make this movie because of that. So they had the script. They didn't like. They weren't like in love with it. So they gave it to. Uh, John Patrick Shanley to fix it up and so it was important to them that the religious like the Catholicism part was incorporated because they knew about the story and so they actually went down to Uruguay and they like interviewed a lot of their survivors and they knew that they had kind of collectively created this hero narrative of all of them that all of them were in the right and all of them worked together and everything was you know great Um, but that I told you that vibrate makes a noise, even if it's between your thighs. Anyway. I'll put it in my shoe. Just put it on silent. Yeah, it's no, not that hard. I need my like, notes are on it. That's the hard part. Yeah, you can so still you put check it on, your phone yeah. when it's on silent. Oh, that's right, Nicole. It doesn't turn it off. Last time. Oh my. Okay. She okay. taught you how to put your phone on silent. My phone is always on silent. Are iPhones that complicated? Yes. It's oh, just... I forgot. They yeah. Are. No. It's really hard. Yeah, I I remember we watched I watched this happen last time and I thought it was insane. Okay, good. Vibrates off now. Okay, so yeah, you have to turn vibrate off. It's, it's different than on an Android where you just where you turn just it down, down and yeah. it turns on silent. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. It is. Apple's Tim Cook, come on the show so we can drag you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Android, we love you. Come on the show. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Android. Mr. Android. Um, uh, starring Robbie Malik. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Um, I love Rami Malek so much. So they interviewed a lot of the remaining survivors and, you know, and they had all their blessing to make this movie and they, but they did make it, they did try to use more of the original accounts than the accounts from the interviews that they got because the original accounts were closer to what actually happened than their revised, yeah, fresher. Where people try to heroize themselves, Mm -hmm. which Nando succeeded in doing, I I will honestly say. Yeah, then... It's so, yeah, as opposed to the later accounts, which were what they received firsthand, which were a little more, like, glorified of all of them. So those were the things that were important to them, and they handed it off to Shanley and said, like, can you do these things? And that's what the uh, script ended up being. Yeah, and then they got white actors to play. (laughs) Yeah, and they did, and I think that's... I just really wonder why that happened. I tried to look it up, but, I mean... Yeah, so I guess Ethan Hawke by this point would have been like a bit of a name from Dead Poet Society. Yeah. Um, it's only a big hit to date. I really just don't think Ethan Hawke belonged in this film. I think he's a good actor. It's I, mm-hmm. He clicked in it in the end. I just I just felt like not, not the correct film for his acting style. It was... It just brought too much gravitas to, gravitas to an already like very grounded in reality i don't know it just was very no, i thought this movie he was made it very obvious that though. he was yeah. playing the guy who was a technical advisor and who was getting the heroic art it just it just he just felt mismatched for me personally for the role he did a good job i just felt like but i think there were other big characters like i think that the um the captain of the team kind of had a big a, like a, a large performative style um and 
And I think that Josh Hamilton, you know, also a white actor, and I kind of feel like maybe they should have, you know, I, f- I feel that they should have just cast Latino actors in these roles, obviously. Amen. But um, I think Josh Hamilton also, while his performance was a little more subtle, he did have those kind of large moments where he was like, you know, lashing out against something Ethan Hawke had said or the captain or whoever, you know. So, like, I do think that Ethan Hawke actually did fit within the style of the movie. Yeah, yeah, the the movie was pretty melodramatic because there was even that guy who was like, "My name is Inigo Montoya or whatever." Yeah, yeah. My name yeah. is Federico Anante. Like he would say that over and over. And, and I will to... survive. I will make yeah, it out of yeah, here. My yeah. name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Yeah, there were a lot of like prepare to die. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of big like declarative statements. Yeah, like and that. then they would do the big declarative music. Mm-hmm. Like they would when they were hiking up to the plane. It was like the. Yeah, yeah, the dramatic adventure music, and then when they were swooping back with the helicopter, was the big like, you know, this is the end score, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. This is still a very, very difficult film to watch. It is. Yeah, yeah. and I think the most visceral thing was the plane initial crash. plane crash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Which really kind of reminded me of. Um, Final Destination Two. Flight, starring Denzel mm-hmm. Washington. Mm-hmm. There's a the movie. The strongest part of that movie is is the opening where. I mean, it's like slightly, I mean, it's it's definitely more dramatized than this because they do something that you can't really do with an airplane, whereas this, it was just like a literal representation of what happened. Yeah. But in flight, Denzel, the plane is going down and the only way to level it off is to turn it upside down. Yeah. So he flips the plane over. That's stressful. And it then, was so stressful. And then he pulls it back or something and then it, it crash lands and then... I think everyone, most of the people, yeah. no, there's a few people that die, but most of the people survive. Most people That's survive. Stressful. Yeah. And then the movie is about what happens after that. Because mm-hmm. he was. He had been drinking, drinking. and doing drugs yeah. before. Drugs yeah. are a hell of a drug. But he really did do the best he could have done in that situation, even if he were sober, basically. Yeah. It was a complicated I, I liked, movie. I liked, I liked it. I liked that movie a I lot. I thought it was good. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was like, it was definitely kind of, you know, a neat little arc I felt, mm-hmm. but like I just felt it was really effective at what it was doing. Yeah, and I thought Denzel was and great. Denzel, He's yeah, always great. Yeah. Oh, Denzel plug. Yeah, going to be training day. Training day. Yeah, training day which coming is up very in exciting. a few months, I guess. Yeah. Oh, can I just interject quickly? Also, I'm very sorry. I would like to make a factual. Um, what do you call a correction? A uh, correction uh, is what you call yeah. it. A correction. I meant um, Final Destination One. Final Destination Two was the car crash. That plane crash was the first yes, one. Yes, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Didn't you only see Final Destination three? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Back on to alive. <laughs> um, I'm gonna just talk about some reviews that I read. As always, Roger Ebert. Wait, what was the first? The one about like why did they from the movie? Oh yeah. Okay. So I don't know. It was just something that I like looked up. Yeah, I just looked up alive on Google or something, and some this like person had left a review like, uh. Why did they eat from the butt first? Great question, because <laughs> there's a reason for that. As I looked it oh, up, oh, there is. They were too. They just only. They were too like disgusted by it first. They could really only eat like from the butt and flesh. They didn't want it to go too deep. But then eventually mm-hmm. they ran out of flesh, so they had to start eating brains and hearts and stuff. Wow. Oh Jesus! I didn't know that. Dragula's wow. I just feel like I would start with like the legs. Yeah. Get some of that protein. But yeah. the. Because yeah. the ass is like But fat. you're not thinking it's about it fat. because you just want to get it over I'm with. I'm thinking about it. I'm hungry. I'd go for an arm. I'd like rip it off. Think about, think about how much time think about how much time you spend like thinking about what you want to eat 
when you're hungry. Yeah. You have not had Yom Kippur. I'm sorry. No, you I haven't. Eat but whatever like, is available to you. Yeah, but the leg they, is just they below also, the Also, actually, they include this in the movie, but they tried to eat like leather and like mm-hmm. foam and cushion stuff, anything before human, but they realized it was making us more sick than we were. So, you know, we had to eat humans as it is. Yeah. As it was written, so it shall be done. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like the original, uh, you know, pilgrims were eating a lot of leather. They ate a lot of leather. Really? Yeah. No, white people are crazy. Yeah, until they, you know... Uh, Discovered turkeys? Yeah, until they destroyed and the Native imperialism. Americans and ate all of their corn and turkey. There's Remember, Charlie, guys? There's we a Charlie were... Chaplin movie where they're eating shoes. Hmm, which one? It's the one where they go to Alaska, and they're, like, struggling. Oh, I don't know that It's one. real. I believe you. I just don't know it. This guy on Grinder sent me a photo of himself with a shoe in his mouth, and I was very off-put by it. Happy Pride Month, guys. <laughs> Happy, Pride. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> it's Pride Month when we're filming this. Remember, look up your gay hanky code before going to Pride. Or if you went to Pride, I hope you did. I saw a guy with a white hanky out of his pocket the other day. Which one is that? I, that, I don't know what that is. I'm going to look that up right now. <laughs> I know what a lot of them are. Wait, what about the Bruce Springsteen album cover? Red? Oh, is yeah. It re- is it red? It's, I think it's a red. Yeah, I think it's red. That's can you, do, Could you pull it up? Yeah. Oh, I can pull it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just my pull it up. Really I'm trying slow. to read this review so that I could like give you a little sound bite. Oh, okay. Cool. Red means fisting. Okay. Because it's a photo of Bruce Springsteen, tight little butt. And then a little... I think it's a hat, though. I don't think it's a hanky. Because he's like working class, so he wears a hat. Mm. Actually, I can't find anything on white. On white hankies? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing about white hanky. I guess maybe... It's like neutral. Yeah. It means you're into Swiss guys. <laughs> there's, I have white whole scene cream, white lace, and white velvet. Ooh, and it means I like white bottoms. So, you know, so, Alive. Alive. Roger Ebert gave this movie two and a half stars out of four. And he, one note that he, oh, sorry, one note that he had that um, I thought made a lot of sense um, was that the subtitles keep, like, saying day 50, day 70, and they've been yeah. there for a long time, but they still, like, look pretty healthy, you know? You know like, was... they never really look, like, emaciated or, like, um... Uh, one thing, also, this is because Ethan Hawke refused to. Ethan Hawke refused to grow a beard for this movie. Oh my so he just God. had a goatee the whole time. I didn't really notice it, but my, my dad sent a note to me last night. One of his trivia facts. <laughs> he would have been so hot with a beard. I, I would like to see Ethan Hawke with a beard, but he refused. So that's why he just had a goatee the whole time, which now that I think about it, makes no sense. Like, why would they have been shaving? But they couldn't have, like, digitally emaciated these people because 90%, of the, 90% of the budget went to the plane crash scene. That's true, but they could have given them, like, bigger clothes than fit them, or they could have, like, put, done makeup on yeah, their face you could to do, make you could them. Do a There's lot a lot you can do with makeup. Yeah. Even in the 90s. They still had the market this. Yeah, but no, I mean. But they were the, going for, like, a certain. Yeah, I mean, like, you could use, you know, even if you're trying to be like, oh, these, like, hot guys stuck on a mountain, Mm-mm-mm. you could use the footage from the beginning, and then by the yeah. end, they should look... Fucked up. Kind of, yeah, they should look I was thinking, up. I was thinking about the captain, the team captain, like, mm-hmm. Antonio. before he died. Like, they had been there for a while, and his blazer was in... Impeccable. Crisp condition, yeah. 
snow can like he does seem like the kind of guy that would they, care about that they only one, had but... one service on the mountain and it was a dry cleaner <laughs> <laughs> they were just getting all their clothes dry clean you, know, you don't have any food listen, like, no, i know that their fashion cleaning. was whatever they could find to warm up but they look good yeah when he when ethan Hawke was wearing his sister's um uh fur coat oh oh yeah. i want it Style. without having to you and know, then he ripped the sleeves for off. 70 days but if being stranded for 70 days mean you get that great fashion, then do not sign me up. Still. Just go to a thrift store, man. <laughs> um, and one closing statement from Roger Ebert's review uh, that I thought was good was, um, uh, we care about the characters while we watch the movie, but at the end of it, it all seems elusive. The movie characters complete their dreadful ordeal, but somehow walking out, we feel the real Andy survivors would not quite recognize themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely see that, that it kind of wrapped it up nicely. I mean, you know, not as nicely as they could have. Yeah. Um, you know, in a situation where probably they should have all just seemed really devastated, even in their, you know, even in their savior, their salvation. But that's the thing. It's like, I don't know, like when I watch movies, I automatically know that they're not going to include like how emotionally <laughs> fucked up people are after these events. Like. When we were watching Kingsman the other day, we already knew that that baby whose mom tried to kill him was going to grow up with a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of it just has to be relied upon, like, your own... Like, I'm sure they, that joy was real because, like, they were being rescued. And also, fun fact, another one, they could only rescue half of them the, in that day. So two oh, wow. of the rescue people stayed with them overnight, and mm-hmm. then they brought the rest out the next day because they couldn't land too many helicopters on the ice. Yeah, Jeez. that makes sense. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but at least they weren't alone, and I'm sure they had supplies with them. Yeah, at least at that point they knew for sure that they were getting rescued, but, yeah. like, that's rough. So a third of them survived the, that thing. That's crazy. Survived the crash, initial crash? Everything. The oh, crash, like a third of the them, like, ended up surviving. A third of them. Yeah. Like, isn't that more than lost? I never watched it, but didn't everyone die on that? It Wasn't it all a dream or something? More people survived this plane crash than all of Game of Thrones. I used to read... Word Up magazine. This is the the Bruce Springsteen. It's right. It's, it. Yeah, but it's a baseball cap. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, what a movie. Yeah, there was also um, a review in the New York Times. Uh, is it Vincent Canby? It's not Vincent Canby. Canby. It's um, Janet Maslin, who we heard from on the last one or the one oh, yeah. Waterland. Come on the show. Yeah. Janet Maslin, we love you. Come on the show. Or Vincent Canby. Or Vincent Canby. Is he alive? I don't know. I'm still hauling out for America Ferrera. (laughs) There are Um, angels among us sent down to us. Well, okay. So I just feel like what's really the big takeaway from this article is the title of the review. It's called Tasteful Cannibalism as Upbeat Viewing. Ooh. Damn. Which is kind True. of damning. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't because at the end of the day, it's like it doesn't really focus on the cannibalism past the initial like getting over it. Like they don't really touch on them. They don't touch it again. Actually, yeah. What she says in this review is um, basically she says if you're you know if you get distracted by all of the pretty things in this movie, like the pretty scenery, the cinematography, the, like the score by James Newton Howard, um, they could almost just be skiing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see that. So. But, I mean, they spent a good 30 minutes, like, debating yeah. the cannibalism thing. That's true. Like, there was quite a bit of screen time dedicated no, to it. Well, After they started, harsh. they didn't, like, they didn't go back to it. But they, you do see them throughout, like, dealing with the, with eating the food, meat. Mm-hmm. 
but this is what I said at the beginning of like earlier. I was just like, you don't, this happened. We don't know, like maybe they didn't focus on it afterwards. So why touch on it? Like at the end of the day, it's like hard to nitpick movies like this that are so based on reality because there's no real way of knowing whether that actually happened. Like we can't criticize these people for in real life, not focusing on the morality of their actions. It's like, yeah, but I was saying that they did focus on it because they spent a while. They spent a significant chunk of the movie like debating if they should do but it. But then or not. also like once they did it, why talk about it anymore? Talk yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I of feel like, like once ass. you once you eat your first piece of ass, like you know, you've <laughs> you don't go back. It. Exactly. <laughs> once okay. you eat ass, you don't go back. Jonathan Zavaleta, two K nineteen. I have a yeah. couple more pieces of trivia that my dad sent me that I thought I'd share before we. Thanks, Warren. Yeah, shouts out to Warren. Come back on the show. Um, so he said, for the critical scene in which the fateful decision to eat the dead is made, the actors involved all fasted for two days to give them a level of understanding of what the real survivors, survivors must have felt like. So not wow. exactly, but not eating for two days is kind of... And that explains why they ate only like a tiny strip. Because mm-hmm. like the first strip that Knessa eats is like, was in real life the size of a matchstick. Yeah. Like a little sliver. Yeah, because if, if you don't... Gotta pace yourself with human yeah. flesh. Well, also, if you don't, if you haven't eaten in a long time yeah. and you eat a lot, you're gonna get fucked up. Yeah. Get fucked up. Um, and one more fun fact. Um, director Frank Marshall auditioned novice actor Brad Pitt for the Roberto Canessa role, but Pitt's reading was poor and the part went to Josh Hamilton. Instead. I believe it. Oh, and we should say, I don't think we mentioned this on the show, Josh Hamilton plays the dad in eighth grade. Mm, yeah. So I think like Josh Hamilton and Ethan Hawke now like at this then they were a couple of young guys but now they're like some of our most iconic indie film dads. It's true. So I that's saw fun. Eighth grade. Also, Danny Nucci uh, is the dad on The Fosters. Not an indie movie, but he is also a dad now on TV. TV dads. TV man. dad. Shout yeah. out. Yep. Shout out to all dads out there. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, like two months ago now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, let's let's wrap this up. I'm Harper. Um, you can find me online at Harping About. I'm Jorge. Um, no, oh, you're I'm, still going. Yeah, oh. I'm still going. I'm oh, still going. Um, sorry. And something I've enjoyed in uh, pop culture recently that's not Ethan Hawke related is uh, oh the podcast You've Got Hanks. I don't know if I talked about this before, but on the show, so. but. It's really fun. It's um, similar to our show. She's going through all of Tom Hanks's filmography and watching and reviewing it with some fun guests. So if you're looking for a show like ours, but about Tom Hanks, go check that out. Um, Jorge, where can people find you and what are you enjoying? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at grilled underscore T-C-C-H-I-S-I. You know, like grilled cheese, my fave. Mm-hmm. And you can also find my podcast, Instagram, with um, good co-host Nicole Wynecki, you can find us at craving dot the dot d. You don't spell it dot. You just you just press the period button period? on your yeah. keyboard or yeah keyboard. Um, <laughs> I've been enjoying on YouTube Lindsay Ellis's film criticism videos. Just hmm. shout out to her. She loved her for years. She did she, a transform one about the. She does a right? lot of transformers, mm-hmm. like from like about queer study, feminism, all kinds of things about it. Really good videos. She got nominated for a Hugo Award. I love her. Nice. She'll be my dream show, podcast Lindsay. guest. Lindsay Ellis, come and talk Lindsay about you. Lindsay Ellis, come on the show. And Jonathan, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm Jonathan. It's been real. It's been electric real. 
And where can people find you and what have you been enjoying? Okay, you can find me on Instagram at John Zavaletta and I've been enjoying uh, the musical stylings of the band Hot Chip. We've put out a new single called um, uh, Melody of Love. Melody of Love, yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. So check that yep, out. I know I'm sure I've heard album. it a million times because Jonathan's been playing it around the house. Yeah, I'm sure the album's already come out by now, but hopefully. Um, we, our executive producer, Lauren Bresnahan, pointed out that we did not mention our favorite hawk line, or our most Ethan hawk line in the movie. That's so oh, true. Oh, I have my so, favorite hawk line. Oh, yeah? Go for yeah. it, Jorge. It was literally when he, like I mentioned it earlier, it's when he said, and I quote, finding it, finding it, finding it, finding it. I do not have it. Oh, my God. I think it was, oh, it's just when he said, I'll cut some meat off the pilots. What a fun expression for your everyday usage. Mm-hmm. Just cut that some meat fun. off the pilots. Yeah. Jonathan, do you have fun? Eat. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I didn't write it down, but we discussed it. But when he was like. On top of the mountain. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm proud to be to alive, be, yeah. man. Yeah. He said, I'm proud to be a man on this day. Uh, no, sorry. I'm proud to be a man on a day like this. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also thought that was the I most Ethan Hawkeye. I imagine saying that to, to Julie Delpy. Mm-hmm. It was something else where it was like, it was something about like living being overrated, or it was something. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that I one too. Back at you like. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Hold on. Uh oh, he says, "What's so great about hope?" Oh yeah, I wrote that down, but it was illegible. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was good. That was after that was after after his sister dies. He says that every time he said hope, I just thought of that song Hope from Emo the Musical on Netflix. Oh yeah, I put all of that movie out of my mind. After I we saw remember it. it all the time. I listen to the soundtrack so much. Emo the Musical on Netflix, great Australian film. Okay, this has been like eight hours long. So. Yeah, okay. Good up, guys. So thanks, thanks everyone for listening. For listening. Catch um, us next week. Please rate and review us on iTunes and spread the word. Not iTunes. Smash that Apple. like Apple button. Apple Podcasts. Sorry, yeah. iTunes doesn't exist anymore on Apple Podcasts. R.A.P. iTunes. Just scrawl on the grave yeah, of iTunes. Yeah, whatever. And um, yeah, and if you know someone who you think would like this podcast, please just tell them about this. this yeah. would be That would be a huge help to us spreading the word. Wait, what are we talking about next Spending week? Love, Ethan Hawk. Oh boy, next week. Let me pull up our calendar here. Are we at the before series? Well, are you at the before uh, we're series? Close. Yet? We're close. We're Reality coming bites. up on it. Reality bites next week. Oh, and we may fun. or may not have a guest. We'll see. So, uh, stay tuned. I asked many people, and no one got back to me. So, are you gonna watch Reality Bites at Hollywood Forever? Probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, friend of the show, Kelsey Dodge. Who Kelsey Dodge Taylor? Kelsey Taylor. Who sent that um, question, and she designed some great art for us that I'm hoping to share on the Instagram soon, and we're gonna hand out some flyers probably when we go to Reality Bites at Sinespia. So, thanks for Very listening. Exciting. Yep, thanks everyone. Go listen to Craving the D now if it's out. Probably not, but you know. Yes, go check out Craving the D if it's out. Okay, bye. 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 This episode was produced by Harper Thompson and myself, Jonathan Zavaleta. It was edited by Harper Thompson, and our intro music, Hawk Song, is written and recorded by Connor Vance.